Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today. I am back in California. It feels good to be home. Hawaii was fun. I'm glad it's over. I think a week-long vacation there is plenty. I don't even think I will go back. I don't feel the need to. Uh, it's cool. Got what we needed from it. Now I want to go somewhere that's a little bit cooler, where I don't have to worry about so much sunscreen for the kids and myself. When my back is exposed because of the tattoos, I just seems super sensitive to the sun, um, and I don't want them to fade. So if I'm going to be out in the sun, I got to load up with tons of uh, sunscreen. And if my kids don't do that, and my wife, then they will burn. Their freckles will come out really bad. Uh, sucks for them. But we had a lot of fun. Uh, last night, um, after I recorded the podcast, we did the luau. That was probably the biggest disappointment. Like, it wasn't terrible, but it was also long boring not exactly my style of music it was good i could appreciate it but yeah and the drinks were awful way too sweet the food kind of sucked and i'm generally not a picky person but um the fire knives were cool we liked the last five minutes of the two hour show uh but other than that everything there was cool it was awesome um the best part about it though was probably the plane ride there and the plane ride back because each time i got five hours of uninterrupted writing. Uh, I know a lot of people think it's weird when I say how much I love plane rides. Like I've had a couple shitty ones where I've been stuck next to really big guys and it's already a little bit hard for me because my shoulders are uh, as wide as the seat. But um, when I don't have that issue and I'm just uninterrupted, it's amazing what I can get done. So I got through all of Try Not To Die in the Wild West went through the whole thing, got really excited about it. There were a couple of times on the plane where I wanted to reach across the aisle and tell my son what death scene I just came up with, but I knew what his response would be. He'd be like, dad, we, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to, I, I don't want to know about your death scenes, uh, which sucks. They like watching them on TV. They like watching death and movies, but that dad's making it up. They just don't give a shit, but it's cool. Because I tricked him into listening to the book. Uh, the other day we were I was trying to get him to do different things. Summertime, trying to figure out the right routine. How late do I let him stay up? He's nine years old. Um, and then also how much do we let him just be on electronics, playing with friends? How much should I interact with him because it's summer and life's short and I should enjoy the moment and all that too. But I still also need to get some work done. So trying to figure out that balance, that's what I've been working on. Um, so one of the things I did was I got out all his, he used to have these magnetic tiles he would build with. I got out his action figures. I'm like, dude, use your imagination. Do something with these. Have fun. So he was doing a little bit on his own. But then I decided to join him and I grabbed a whole bunch of different characters. And then I put him through the first four scenes. We I acted out the first four scenes of Try Not to Die in the Wild West. Let him make the decisions. He died, I think, three out of the four times. And he was calling bullshit on me a bunch. He's like, that's not how a snake would react. I chose the right answer. And I was like, dude, I was like, that's what it says in the book. So uh, we had a lot of fun with that. I'm hoping to do uh, scenes five through eight today. 
As far as the writing of it, I'm going to plow through the main path, make sure that's all squared away. We're adding little things here and there. And then I will finish up the death scenes and then give it to John. Then he'll give it back and then we'll give it back to editor and back. blah, 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 blah. Then I still need to work on death fast. I just got a big chunk from Evan with the, the dark fairy tale. So that's cool too. Got to jump on that. Bunch of stuff going on. This week I want to, well, next week I want to also finally get the cover started for Death Fest and the Western. I want to get those out for pre-orders, a bunch of different um, conventions coming up. So there's Midsummer Scream in two weeks. I think the week after that. I don't know. There's like I have about two or th I have three different ones that I'll be doing. Brian Asman and a couple other people from the Horror Writers Association. So that's cool. Looking forward to that already ordered books to sell i'm also trying to get onto the i didn't realize it until it was too late they are already out of vendor spots but if one opens up i'm on the waiting list and that's for the ink um they're having a whole ice nine kills them in their own horror convention over in massachusetts end of august so it's hoping to do that but if that one doesn't work out that's no big deal because i do want to make sure that death fest is ready for pre-orders um before I do an event like that. So it's cool. I got my work cut out for me on the Western, but I'm excited about it. So that is always awesome. Uh, there'll be times where I'm not really into a certain book and it's just, it's cool when everything hits right at the right time. And now like, okay, yeah, I'm into this. It's cool. I like it. Now let's just make it awesome and get it done. So that is what I'm doing on that front. Another thing I'm starting this week takes a little bit of time. I'm doing an Amazon ads course. It's about five hours long. That will help me fine tune some of the ads I have, make them more efficient. Again, it's like, well, fuck, where am I going to find those five hours? Uh, you know, I, I have so many other little things on my list to do, but I do know that this is important and I don't have to do it all at once. So over the course of the next week, I'll get in those five hours. I'll learn some more stuff. I will spread my writing a little bit more. And that is the whole point of all of this. I want to infect everyone's mind. I want, I want my stuff read by everybody. Uh, free books. Try Not to Die in Brightside. That book is free on Kindle today through the 18th. If you haven't checked that out, please pick it up. Share with friends. In the newsletter last week, I mentioned a way that you guys can help me. I've talked about it on here before with reviews and ratings, just how important those are to authors. That's incredible. Word of mouth is huge. And word of mouth in a group, that is even better. So if you're in a book group, if you have read one of my books, that would be incredible to recommend it. I would really appreciate it. Unless, of course, it's like, Ain't No Messiah in a Christian book group or, say, Twisted Reunion in a little kid's <laughs> group. So make sure it's appropriate. Make sure you like it. What else? What else? Um, I had a whole lot going on. I tried recording this last night. Just was not in the mood. I was doing stuff. With, wanted to do stuff for the kids. And I was like, oh, I'll just do it in the morning real fast. Still, I'm like, oh, what the hell am I going to talk about? Don't have a guest today. Uh, Caitlin was sick. I was hoping to talk with her. And with everything so backed up, it would have been hard to have a guest on this week. So hopefully I will have a guest on next week. I still need to reach out to Matt Shaw. 
believe he was on vacation or he was just getting off of it too. So, and I want to have time to read some more of his work. I've been reading the Holy fucking Bible, really short piece by him, but super funny. I really am enjoying it. So I'm looking forward to reading more of his work. I'm a little bit nervous because some of his stuff is very, very extreme, uh, but I think I will survive. And if I find out that I don't like it, I'll skip over those and then I'll find other stuff that I do like his because I already realized, okay, I do like that writing style. I like his sense of humor. So I can find some cool stuff, even if it isn't the extreme horror. But you know what, guys? I think we're going to just fucking keep this quick. I don't have a lot to talk about today. I don't want to waste your time. And I want you to try not to die in the pandemic. I will share. I think these next three sections are really short. Um, hopefully it's not too weird for you to hear the choices at the end of each section and then not be able to have a choice. But I will play the next three to four sections in the book. Hopefully you guys are digging the story. Next week, I believe trying to die in the pandemic will be free. So don't get it yet. Don't don't waste your $2.99 or $3.99. And I believe the e the audiobooks are also going to be on sale um, maybe starting a couple of days until the end of July. But they aren't on sale yet. I do not believe. But check that shit out. Check the prices before you buy. All right, guys. This is AJ Carter narrating Try Not to Die in the Pandemic. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy the story. And I will talk to you next week. Later. Why were you spying? Jason asks, arms wide like he's going to tackle us. And who screamed? I grab Amy's hand, pull her past the security office door, bank right at the corner. Get back here! He shouts. A door bangs open behind us. Who are you? Jason asks. I'm flying down the hallway, Amy on my heels. She catches up and asks, What happened? My mask feels too thick to breathe through and keeps sticking to my lips. I pull it down and glance behind us. Falcon and his bald friend rounding the corner and coming our way. Go, 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 I say. They killed him. Amy gasps. Oh my god. I don't know where we are or where we should go. We speed past the huge signs warning us we're entering a restricted area. Amy says, Straight ahead. We got 30 yards on them. I can't keep up this sprint much longer, but I'm betting we're in better shape than those guys. My dad, Amy says. Next right. I recognize the Triton logo at the intersection up ahead. My cabin's nearby, and there's no way we can keep up this pace all the way to Amy's. I say, We need to split. No way, she says. We round the corner, a staircase up ahead, their pounding footsteps close enough to hear. You go down, I'll throw them off. I've got no idea how I'm going to do it. Then I spot the black posts with the nylon rope blocking off the next hallway. I rush over, unclip the rope, and pick up the post, surprised by its weight. Amy stops at the staircase, hands on knees waiting for me. I tell her, go, and slow my breath, grip the pole with both hands like it's a baseball bat with a weight at the end, only this one's about a hundred times heavier. Closer, closer, closer. Their feet thump down the hall. I drag the pole toward the corner they're about to round. I time the shot and swing low and hard, letting go of the post inches from the bald guy's knees. He cries out and flies into Falcon, who slams into the wall both hitting the deck. Turning and running past the staircase, I hope Amy will find a safe way to her dad.
I dart a little farther and check behind me, see Falcon helping up the bald guy, both with their masks lowered. The bald guy utters something, having a hard time putting weight on his right leg. I stop at the end of the hallway to make sure they see me. Hopefully, they'll think Amy went ahead of me. They must have spotted her going down because Falcon just sent the bald guy after her, knife in hand. I want to run back for Amy, but these are grown men with weapons. I want to help her, but she'll have to fend for herself. I run toward my cabin at a fast jog, Falcon about thirty yards behind. I cut down a connecting hall and spot the photo of Placido Domingo. I slow down even more before the corner so he'll think I'm letting up. My cabin's at the end of this corridor. I pretend I'm playing in the World Series and our front door is home plate. I turn on Turbo Boost. My legs and arms pumping because this is all there is. He can't see me. I slide to a stop outside our door and slip the keycard from my pocket. I fumble trying to stick it in and it nearly falls. The light turns green, and I open the door just as Falcon jogs around the corner. He's got something in his hands, but it's too far to see what it is. I rush in and slam the door behind me, not sure if I was spotted. What are you doing? Dad barks. Mask! June yells, loud enough for our neighbors to hear. Time to make a decision. To wave my arms and say, Shut up! Go to chapter 12. To put my finger to my lips and whisper, Be quiet. Go to chapter 13. I wave my arm like a wild man and say, Shut up! All three of them are stunned, no one saying a word. It looks like Dad's about to, but I shake my head no and say, Pirates! I leave my mask down, because I'm sucking air and June's too startled to reprimand me. I throw the deadbolt and look through the peephole. There's no sign of Falcon yet, but I've got such a limited view. Mom asks, What's gotten into you? Quiet, I say. This guy's after me. Who's after you? Dad says, groaning as he gets out of bed. You say pirates? The heavy thunk of boots comes closer. Falcon steps into view pauses outside the adjoining cabin. Keeping my voice low, I say, They've killed security officers. Dad's hunched over, holding onto the wall for support, his face racked with pain. Sit down, I tell him in a way I never thought I'd have to. I don't think he saw where I went. Stay quiet. Falcon brings his hand up to his ear and says something I can't hear. He pulls a white key card from his pocket looks up and down the hallway before inserting it. I pray the Bordens used their deadbolt, but the door opens. Maybe the couple aren't in, out taking an early walk. Falcon disappears into their room, the door closing behind him. I hurry toward the bed and whisper, He's next door. We need to do something, Dad says. Mom says, What can we do? Hey! Mr. Borden says, his voice muffled. What are you doing in here? Careful, old man. I ask the questions. Falcon says, his voice scratchy and low. Get out of here! What is it? Mrs. Borden says, sounding half asleep. Where's your son? Our son? Mr. Borden says. 
He's with his wife and kids in Wyoming. You two shut up, Falcon says. Mom squeezes my hand so hard it hurts, silence filling both rooms. Please don't hurt us, Mrs. Borden says. Take whatever you want. You don't listen so good, Falcon says. Look, Pops, unless you want to be a widower, you better shut her mouth. Every hair on my arm stands up, time seeming to stand still. I don't know what to do, and my parents are just as useless. Same with June, curled up on her bed. Crow, I got a problem. This punk is hiding. Went into one of the rooms along the corridor. I can't hear anyone talking back to him and assume he's on a radio. You got my location? Falcon asks. Another pause. All of us just sitting here, waiting. What should I do with these people? We need weapons. Dad doesn't have any, and all Mom carries is a pepper spray. There's nothing in the room. No, Falcon says. How do you expect me to run with it on? I slide open the closet door, see the pole stretching across the top. Copy. I'll help Eagle down below as soon as I catch this punk. I unscrew the pole, and all our clothes slide to the floor. Dad shakes his head and whispers, No, we need to wait for help. I say, Someone needs to alert the captain. So, no teenage boy lives here? Falcon says. Of course not, Mr. Borden says. What is that? Mrs. Borden screeches. What are you doing? I say, Amy's dad's a cop. Mom and Dad look at me like they have no idea who Amy is, even though she's all I've been talking about the last week. Sir, please, Mr. Borden says. You don't have to point that at us. My mind is racing, my heart pumping, the pole slick in my sweaty palm. I can't believe you're doing this to us, Mrs. Borden says. Aren't we all going through enough already? Gretchen, Mr. Borden says. Please take it easy. It will be over soon if we're just quiet. There's a pause. Please, sir, can you put down the gun? It's scaring my wife. My purse is right there, she says. Mr. Borden says, You can have everything in the safe. There's a loud thump, thump, thump. A high-pitched scream gets cut short with another three blasts, most likely a silencer. My heart pounds, my hands shake, adrenaline taking over. Fight or flight, I ask in a whisper. What do we do? June has her head in her hands, my parents shell-shocked. They can't help themselves or make decisions. Everything shifts and feels wobbly, but I can't tell if it's me or the ship swaying from the tide. It happens again, waves rocking the boat, everyone holding on to steady themselves. There hasn't been any noise from next door since the shots were fired. I wait for the sound of the Borden's door opening, but it doesn't come. If I'm going to do something, I need to do it now. If I haul butt out of here, I can save Amy and get help, lead Falcon away from my family. But if I leave, there's no one to protect them. They'll be at the mercy of these monsters. From the balcony, I can call for help and bring so much attention there's no way this guy will stick around. Time to make a decision. To stay in the room and protect my family, go to Chapter 14.
To run out the hallway and save Amy and lead Falcon away from my family? Go to chapter 15. Go out the balcony and yell for help? Go to chapter 16. Mom's kneeling at the headboard, her ear to the wall. She turns to us and whispers, He's on the balcony. He's saying something, but it's too low to make out. I hurry to the front door, peer through the peephole. I say, It's clear. Get away from there, Dad says. I turn the deadbolt ever so slowly, barely hear the click. I've got to make a run for it. Mom scrambles off the bed, snatches my hand holding the pole. She looks at me, sadder than she ever has, and whispers, You can't. I ease her hand off mine. Lock this behind me. I don't tell her Falcon has a master key. Slide the dresser in front of it. Mom's crying, begging me not to go out there. June's on her bunk, saying, Oh my God! Oh my God! Dad holds his hand over his mouth, looking like he's about to puke. Let's wait for the Coast Guard. One more glance out the peephole. The Borden's door is slightly ajar. Two, maybe three inches. I don't know if I'm being reckless or brave, but I must protect my family. I say, lock it, and slip out the door. My door closes, just as the Borden swings open. There's a chance Falcon won't see me if I split, but if he does, I'm a dead man. My 4.5 second 40-yard dash not faster than a bullet. The deadbolt clicks behind me as Falcon closes the Borden's door. His eyes go wide when he sees me. He's not prepared. His black pistol with suppressor pointed at the deck. This pole is solid wood, six feet long. I close the distance with three big steps and imagine Falcon's face as a fastball. I let it rip with everything I've got. Falcon blocks his head with both hands, the pole snapping in half on his forearm, smacking the gun out of his hand. The gun's falling to the ground, barrel aimed at me, Falcon cursing about his arm. The gun hits the deck right between us, but doesn't go off. Falcon stares at me, cradles his forearm to his chest. You better run. The remaining pole's less than two feet long, but the end is jagged. Running's not an option but neither is hand-to-hand -hand combat. All I need is a distraction, so I flip the pole around in my hand and chuck it like a spear. Falcon drops to the ground, barely avoiding the pole, which bounces off the Borden's door. I'm not about to get caught going for the gun, and I'd probably just kill myself trying to use it, so I pull it back with my shoe, slide it behind me. Falcon's getting up, keeping that forearm to his chest. I'm gonna kill you. I spin and run for the gun that's about a foot from the railing. Not with this, you won't, I say as I kick the gun, send it flying over the edge. Falcon unsheaths a shiny knife. No question he wants to use it. Backing up, but still facing Falcon, I'm not sure if he might throw it. I doubt he could hit me from here, but I'm not taking my chances. He follows. What's wrong? He asks. I thought she wanted to play. Every step we take is another step toward him forgetting where I lived. Oh, I do, but I want to play chase. Falcon puts the knife in his left hand so he can fix his earpiece. Looking at me, but speaking to the radio, he says, 
Got a little boy here who wants to play games. Phoenix, keep tabs on him. Crow, send me someone to round him up. I'm afraid Falcon's planning on returning to my parents' room. The broken pole pieces lying there as reminders. That's what I thought, I say as I back up a few more steps. You need your little buddies to handle me. Falcon switches the knife back to his strong hand. He says, We'll see, and takes off after me. I spin around and run down the hallway, my heart and head pounding hard, adrenaline flowing. The end of the hallway's coming up, and I need to decide which way I'm heading. Time to make a decision. To find Amy on the bottom level, go to Chapter 17. To run for the checkpoint, go to Chapter 18. To run for the bridge, go to Chapter 19.